We're in week two, so we want to focus on the spiritual formation part. But before I get to that, um, there's a series. I don't know if uh, any of you watched it. It's called The Good Place. And um, The Good Place is about four people that essentially die and they end up in the good place. There's a bit of a twist to it, which I won't uh, give, but they end up in the good place and there's this guy, Michael, that old dude there, and uh, he's like the architect of the good place. He's in charge of making this good place the good place uh, for, for them. But uh, they end up in the good place, but there's a little bit of a trick there is because Eleanor, who's the person sitting there, and another guy called Jean Yu, like the problem with them is that they've kind of like got there by accident, like they're not who they really, who everyone thinks that they are, they're complete fraudsters. And they're worried about being found out because then they could end up in the bad place. But there's this one scene where like Eleanor knows she's not meant to be there, all her memories, they're like talking about all the good that she's done, you know, like she has helped so many people with human trafficking, gone on all these hunger strikes. She is not that person. She has like lived her life to the full of self-indulgence. So she realizes this, but, you know, no one kind of realizes that John knew this, this guy who acts like a monk, because uh, he arrives there as a silent monk, and he manages to sail through half of this just because he's silent, you know? So everyone's like asking him stuff, and he's like, you know, just acting silent. Anyway, there's this one scene, they know, the both of them know that they shouldn't be there, and Jean Yu goes and he says, he says, you know what, I'm, t- I'm just gonna be myself. I'm just gonna start being myself here. And uh, he on earth was terrible. He was like a part-time criminal. He was a wannabe DJ that failed and then burned someone's boat. Like he was horrendous, like terrible, terrible, terrible. And so he's having this conversation. He's like, I'm just gonna be myself. And Eleanor stops and and she's like, because she desperately wants to stay. And she's like, whoa, that is not a good idea, you being yourself. Like that is a terrible idea, um, she says. And it made me think, I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation with someone and someone's just like, I'm just being myself. I'm, li- I'm being true to myself. I'm living my best life. And at some point you wanna stop them and go like, no, you shouldn't do that. Like you are living a terrible life. Um, and, and I think like there, there is something about this that is in our culture at this moment, which is like, you know, live your truth. Be yourself, live your best life. Ah, oh, live your authentic version of yourself or whatever kind of language we, we use to say to people like, just accept people exactly how they are. And there's some point in that conversation where you look at some people and you go, I don't know whether that should apply to you because you're just not a great person. You're very selfish or whatever, whatever. And, um, and the part that we wanna talk about this morning, spiritual formation, is about this idea that we need to change. That some part of us actually needs to change. And that God is deeply concerned about changing you. And this is not always the great part, because we want 
a faith, we want a Christianity often that just completely accepts us. Like, I just wanna come to church, I can just be whoever I am, no one's gonna judge me. Like, we want a Christianity that is just so affirming of who we are and where we are right now that sometimes we reject the part of the faith that is challenging us and calling us to be changed, to be transformed. It's the tension that I think we understand if you're a parent. If you're a parent, you accept your kids for who they are. But if you're a parent, you don't want them to stay who they are. You do want them to change, to learn some things, to, um, you know, break some of their naughtiness or what, you know, whatever it is, there's this part that you accept your kids, you love your kids, but you do want them to change. It's a bit like this in marriage as well, that when you're married, like you love your spouse for who they are, but at some point you probably, I mean, Lisa probably is more this than me, probably going, Jamie, can you just grow up? Like... You're 39 now, like stop acting like a child. Like, can you change? Can you grow? Can you, know, uh, can you move forward? There is this tension in the faith that we come into the church and we receive God's incredible and amazing grace. God showers his grace on us freely because of Christ, not because of anything that we have done just 100% because the grace of Christ has come to us. But then at the same time, God is calling us out of our sin and brokenness and transforming us to become like Jesus. Um, Romans 8, verse 28 to 30, I love this verse. It says this, and we... we often just quote the first verse. It says, we know all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Don't you love that verse? Like, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It is God's purpose, God's predestined purpose, God's purpose before we came to Christ, God's purpose that all of those who come to know Christ would be conformed to the image of his son. It is God's purpose that you and I would change to become like Jesus. That is God's plan. That is the goal of our discipleship of our spiritual formation, the goal of our spiritual formation is that you and I would be transformed to become like Christ, to become like Jesus. God wants you to become like Christ. And that's why part of the vision of Harbor City is this element that we want to become like him. We want to become like Jesus. This is part of our vision because we believe that part of God's predestined purpose in calling you to himself is that you would be changed to become like Jesus. 
And that's why if you join Harbor City, we'll talk a little bit about this next week, but if you're joining Harbor City, you're actually signing up to change. You're signing up to be part of a journey of discipleship. If you join Harbor City, you're signing up to say this, to say, hey, I don't just wanna know Jesus, I myself wanna be transformed to become like Jesus. That I am signing up to be part of this journey of discipleship and transformation. And sometimes that's difficult and we'll look at that and sometimes that's amazing, but uh, all of us, by being part of the story, is actually saying, hey, I'm here, I'm signing up for change. So I wanna just kind of talk about three things, the why, why should we wanna become like Jesus? Um, what does it mean to be transformed or look like Jesus? Um, and then how that happens. Um, so why, I, I think this is like such a great question to answer because like if you think about it, why would I wanna become like Jesus? He died at 33 on a cross, was misunderstood, um, you know, had a whole bunch of followers, says something, most of them leave. Even Peter, like his strongest disciple, disowns him at the, you know, right at the end before his, his death. You're thinking like, why would I want to become like Jesus? And we, we often have this, this idea of Jesus. Um, you know, I don't know if any of you have seen those images like Norwegian Jesus, long hair, semi-blonde, holding like a lamb, and you're like, oh, that's why we wanna become like Jesus. Just, I mean, holding a lamb, like what better picture is there of like the perfect human being than holding a lamb with long golden locks that are semi-curled and Norwegian heights and all of that? No. Um, but like the, to me, there is the challenge that when you think about Jesus, Jesus uh, who died right in the prime of his life, who was misunderstood, who was put on a cross, whose message was resisted by many, why would we sign up to become like Christ? Um, and a couple reasons, uh, quick reasons, is number one, we believe that Jesus lived the perfect life. So while he was rejected by men, that does not take away from the fact that we believe Jesus lived the perfect sinless life. He embodied everything it meant to live a life towards God. Um, that Jesus, Jesus even himself says this in John 14. He says, anyone who has seen, who, anyone who wants to see, the, who has seen me has seen the Father, like Jesus embodies the perfect life um, of a sinlessly perfect and the perfect representation of the life of living towards God. One of Jesus' statements, the other reason why I want to become like Jesus is one of the ways that they talk about Jesus over and over in the Gospels is they call Jesus the Son of Man, the Son of Man, or one of the ways of Understanding the Son of Man, if you, if you go to 
um, Daniel, and you look at some of those terms, it's like the Son of Man is Jesus was the perfect human. He was uh, the perfect image of God here on earth. And you and I, it says in Genesis 2, we have been, in Genesis 1, we have been created in the image of God. That we ourselves, that God's purpose and God's call on us is to be the image of God on earth. Jesus himself is the son of man, the firstborn of new creation, even as we just read. Jesus himself is the one who perfectly reflects what and lives out what it means to be human. If you want to live out your purpose, if you want to live out why God has called you What God has called you to be, Jesus is the Son of Man, the one who has perfectly lived that out, the purpose of us, of our humanity. And so why do we want to become like Christ? Well, God calls us to do that, um, but we also want to do that because Jesus is, Jesus reflects what it means to be human in the most perfect way. So if you want to live your best life, if you want to live according to your true purpose, what we believe is that by becoming like Christ, you are becoming most truly who God has called you to be. So what does that look like? What is changing? How does God want us to change by becoming like Christ? And I think this is important because I don't think when we're talking about this that God is necessarily wanting to change your personality. Um, you know, when we say we're becoming like Christ, what does that mean uh, and, and what does that look like? We're not saying that God wants to change your personality. Like you're a buoyant, upbeat person and all of a sudden now you've got to be, I don't know, what was Jesus' personality? Hard to know. Um, you know or you're, you're a more thoughtful, quiet, maybe somewhat melancholic person. What does that mean? Do you now need to be like this charismatic, extroverted, upfront person? Like we we're not talking about that, your personality, when we're talking about changing. Uh, we're talking about some deeper things. And the first thing that we're talking about is our affections or our loves. What, what God wants to change in you and I is he wants to change your loves. He wants to change your affections. He wants to change the the even the desires of your own heart. In Ephesians 1, it's, uh, it's actually Ephesians 5, sorry. It says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrance offering and sacrifice to God. In um, 
Matthew 22, it says, teacher, which commandment? What is most important? Which commandments in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. God is deeply concerned about what you love. He's deeply concerned about our affections. And one of the things that God wants to change, wants to transform in us, to become like Christ, is our loves, that we can love like Christ. Love God, love neighbor, and ultimately as we see in Matthew 5, the perfect picture of a character transformed by God is a person who can love their enemy. God wants to affect our affections. What do you love? Where do the desires of your heart point towards? What has gripped the affections of your heart? Being transformed to become like Christ means that God wants to work into our loves. Change our loves so that we can be people who love God, love neighbor, and love enemy. Being transformed by Christ is allowing God into your affections. Your affections are the hardest part to give away sometimes. I don't know if you've noticed this, like you don't want God to touch your loves. Uh, you, you just don't want that. It's like the discipleship dilemma. Whenever you're discipling someone, especially when it's like relationships and you're discipling someone and you're like, I don't know if you should like that girl. You know, like I'm just not sure. It's like that is like... N- No, no, do not touch what I love. Do not touch where my affections go towards. Um, we, We are so protective over our loves, but it is the chief area in which God wants us to change. God wants us to become people that love God and neighbor and enemy. Be people like Christ. Second thing is God wants to change our character. He wants to change our character. Uh, Philippians 2, I love this. It says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and it became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, you know, Jesus, here in Philippians, is talking about us becoming like Christ in his character as someone who could humble himself, uh, who could give himself, who could lay down his life, becoming of the same mind of Christ, having the same character of of Christ. And over and over again, we see these lists in the New Testament where Paul is challenging us, whether it's with the fruits of the Spirit to live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self control, you know, whether it's uh, the, 
the, the list in, in 2 Peter where it talks about taking on godliness, taking on self-control, taking on, on love. We are constantly being challenged uh, by Paul and by the writers of the New Testament to live in the same character of Christ. Um, as people like N.T. Wright and other writers write about this, is that part of the Christian journey is the journey of the formation of our virtues. It's the formation of our character, that day after day after day, what Christ is doing in us is shaping our character so that our character can become more reflective of the character of Christ that we can live holy lives, we can live godly lives, that we can live lives that display the full character of Christ, humble lives, patient lives, that we can have endurance, perseverance, we can have self-control, we can have joy, peace, patience, that these characteristics that were found in Christ become the characteristics found in our own lives. To become like Christ means that God is gonna shape your affections, but he's also gonna shape your character, which may mean that some areas in your life need to change. I don't know about this with you, but you know, sometimes I live in Pinetown and sometimes driving through rush hour traffic is, can be tough in Pinetown and especially as you go up the Berea Road and you get on to the N3 and like a million cars are pulling in front of you and they're like, it's intense. And you just like, you wanna lose the plot. You wanna like wind down your window, you wanna like beat someone, like all these things come out of you and you realize like actually God needs to work in my character, shape my character, teach me to be a person of patience. And so we can go on. The other thing that Christ is wanting to shape us in is our mission, our purpose that Jesus said in in Luke 19, he says that the reason why he came was to seek and to save those who are lost. And then in Matthew 28, when he gives the church the great commission, he tells us to go into all the earth, uh, you know, to make disciples of all the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all to obey everything that I've commanded. Like the, the purpose of you and I, what, what God wants to shape is our purpose, our mission, that even as Jesus came into the world to bring the kingdom of God, to make the kingdom of God available to people, to bring the message of Christ, of grace to people, he calls the church to take on his same purpose that God is shaping us to become like Christ is to become someone who is concerned about those who live outside of Christ. He wants to shape our affections. He wants to shape our character. He wants to shape our mission. Whether it's I live my life for myself, 
to make money, to leave an inheritance, etc., etc. God wants to shape the direction of our lives to be people who bring in the kingdom, who desire to see people come to know Christ. And Christ wants to shape our picture of suffering. It's always the hardest part because we live in a comfort culture. Paul says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says this, I wanna become like Christ essentially in sharing in Christ's suffering. Paul understands that part of us becoming like Christ in this world is having a transformed view of suffering. And this is important because there is no way that we will be able to usher the kingdom of God into this world, into our lives, if we just have this overemphasized view of comfort. If you just love comfort, if comfort is your highest priority, you know, comfortable in your home, comfortable with your finances, comfortable with everything in life, make sure that like everything in your life just conforms to help you feel more comfortable. If you do that, you will never be able to be the kind of person that brings in the kingdom of God into this world. The kingdom of God comes into this world partly through suffering. Christ models that himself by bringing the kingdom, by, as Paul says here, by dying on the cross. If we, I mean, think about South Africa right now and some of the areas that the gospel should be touching, like the fact that we are the most unequal society in the world. The gospel will never come through our lives and touch the brokenness of our inequality if all is what we desire is riches and comfort. It's just never gonna happen. We're never gonna be the picture of Christ breaking into the unequalness of our society if we only desire comfort. We're never gonna break down the walls of racial tension in South Africa. We're never going to um, be the body that is the one new man that uh, talks about in Ephesians 2 if we only want comfort. We're never going to do some of the difficult things that, is, that comes with displaying Christ in this world if we only want comfort. If our deepest concern is our safety, if our deepest concern is our wealth and security, if our deepest concern is that we feel good about our lives, we're never going to be able to become like Christ. Paul doesn't just want to know Jesus. He doesn't just want to know the power of Jesus. Paul wants to share in the suffering of Jesus. 
to become like Jesus means that God wants to change your affections. He wants to change your character. He wants to change your mission. And he wants to change your view of suffering. How does that happen? I'll try to go through this quickly. Lisa covered a whole bunch of this um, last week. But how does that happen? It happens by the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being changed, transformed into the image of Christ. We are being changed into Christ's image by the Spirit. When you come to Christ, when you come to believe in the gospel, the Spirit of God comes upon you. And as the Spirit of God comes upon you, He opens up our eyes that we can behold the glory of Jesus. And as one person said, you become what you contemplate. You become what you gaze upon. You become as you, with unveiled faces, look upon the Lord. Allow God by His Spirit to reveal Himself to you. You become like the Lord. He begins to transform us. We are changed through the Word. That's why we want to read it. We're going to go through the Gospel of Mark starting in March. We want to really take time to look at Jesus, go through the Scriptures. We're going to go through the whole of Mark uh, you know, sequentially, we're gonna go through it expositionally, which means we're gonna take the text and preach out of the text. We wanna go through the word because we believe that the word is one of the ways that we are shaped to become like Jesus. Uh, Paul says this in Ephesians, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word that the church is washed and cleansed and shaped and transformed by the word of God. We're transformed, as Lisa said last week, through community. And Hebrews uh, 2, it talks about us encouraging each other day by day, encouraging us in this process of discipleship. Sometimes we are transformed by the community through the, as iron sharpens iron, as it says, through the difficulties and the tensions and the rebukes. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in community, but sometimes some of the ways that we're changed is by a difficult conversation with someone and someone having a difficult conversation with you. And the best way to become like Christ when someone has a difficult conversation with you is not to get up, leave the church in a huff and be like, that is a terrible place. Why would I ever wanna go there? That person told me I have a bad attitude. Like, you know, that's not the way we are changed. And yet that happens all the time. God uses each other to change us so that we can become more like Jesus. 
And then finally, in the verse that we mentioned at the start, God uses all things to shape you. That as we submit our lives and ourselves to God, He is using all things to shape us to become like Christ. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. I don't know if you've heard someone use that verse when they're going through a difficult time and they say, you know, God is gonna use all things to work together to the good of those who love Him. And we often use it in the context of like, God is gonna take me out of my suffering and he's gonna make me live in comfort. You know, like, I'm living here, but I'm going there. Like, I'm, and, and God is gonna use all things. And we use it as a means to almost say, like, you know, I'm going through difficulty, but it's fine. God is gonna push me through that difficulty and I'm gonna live my best life very soon. But the context of Romans 8 is that God is using all things to do what? To conform you to the image of his son. God is using all things, the good moments, the bad moments. He's using your trials and your tribulations. He's using your friends and your family. He's using your circumstances. He's using stage six load shedding. He's using the political instability of the country. He's using the potholes on the road. He's using your spouse. He's using the lack of sleep that you had tonight. God is using all things as you submit to him to transform you into the image of his son. God is using community, he's using the word, God is working by his spirit, and God is using all things in your life to shape you to become someone who is like Christ in our affections, in our character, in our mission, and in our suffering. And just as I close, if I can just say this about Harbor City, is that when it comes to discipleship and spiritual formation, at Harbor City, we want discipleship to be done in an atmosphere of grace and gratitude. So what we mean by that is that we are serious about spiritual formation. We're serious about discipleship. We are serious about each of us becoming like Christ. We take that seriously. It's not put to on, on the side, on the back burner. It's not something that we don't care about. It's something we deeply care about. But we believe that discipleship best happens in a space of grace and gratitude. What that means is this, is that God shows us incredible grace. God loves us and brings his gospel to us in our sin and our brokenness. His grace extends to us, not because of anything that we've done, 
His grace extends to us because of what he has done uh, on the cross. And so in our discipleship, we want to move forward understanding the gospel that we are accepted by God, not because we are becoming like Christ, we're accepted by God because of Christ. That's a big difference, which means that when someone's struggling in our community, when someone maybe isn't just getting it 100% right, when someone falls into some sin and we need to walk in a process of discipleship with people, we want that always to happen with grace. Grace. Always to happen with the gospel being absolutely central to our discipleship. And gratitude is this, that we believe the best motivation to become like Jesus is gratitude. So that Christ shows us grace and because of his grace, we live out becoming like Jesus in absolute gratitude. That part of our journey of discipleship is helping each of us to understand that grace more and more and to live out the journey of discipleship with gratitude for that grace. Paul over and over and over again teaches us that Christ is and his work and his work on the cross is central to all of our transformation. That our discipleship happens because Jesus died on the cross for us. And we now with gratitude live our lives towards him. And so just to finish, our vision is Jesus, to know him, become like him, and make him known. And this is important, because if you're joining Harbor City, if you're part of Harbor City, it means that you are signing up to change. It means this, that we believe you can change, and we are going to journey with you in that process of change because we all want to become like Christ. That our vision is Jesus and we wanna know him, become like him and make him known. Which may seem challenging to some, but to others it's hopeful. I don't know where you are today, I don't know what you're going through, but one of the hopeful messages of gospel, of the gospel, one of the hopeful messages of, of God's grace, one of the hopeful messages of this today is that Jesus believes you can change and he is going to do that. He is going to work in you to change your affections, to change your character, to change your purpose, to change your view of suffering. Christ is at work by his spirit through his word 
shaping you, changing you, transforming you, moving you out of some things so that you can become like Jesus. Can I pray? Lord, I thank you that you, by your grace, through your work on, your, on the cross and your resurrection, you've called us, you've saved us, you've brought us to yourself. And I thank you, Lord, that part of that good news is that you have not just left us in that place, but you are changing us and shaping us. You're helping us to live out part of the purpose that we were created, to live out the image of God, to become like you. And I pray specifically this morning for those who are struggling right now, who maybe feel discouraged, who maybe feel like they signed up to a process of change but feel stuck. I ask you, Lord, now in the name of Jesus that you would come by your Holy Spirit and you would begin to stir faith again. You would begin to stir courage again. You would begin to move people forward in their discipleship and becoming like you, Jesus. We even pray right now that you would break some habits of sin. You'd break some patterns of living that are just incongruous with your life and character. And we ask you that by your spirit, as you break them, you would draw people on this journey of, of loving you more, knowing you more, and becoming like you more. And so we, Lord, as a church, as individuals, we wanna submit our lives to you. We wanna open up our hearts to you. We want to say, Lord, won't you come and have your way with us. We don't want to guard our lives so, you know, like so fiercely. We want our lives to be used by you, shaped to become like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.